0: And we are now live. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Um, so just uh, to start, start it off, basically, ask this to pretty much everyone that comes on um, is to just obviously introduce yourself, um, tell the people that are going to be listening about your background and what you do.
1: Uh, okay. My name is B Nguyen and uh, people call me Killer B and I am Vietnamese American living in America, soon to be uh, residing in Asia and I fight for one championship.
0: Okay, brilliant. So why did you start fighting for one championship? What was the drive there?
1: Specifically for one? Yeah. I've always, I mean, as an amateur, I've always one, I was I've always been intrigued by one and their um, core values as a company and um, how many events they have and of course being a smaller fighter I've always been interested in um, competing against the best and I always thought the best atom weights were at, at one championship um, but of course living in America I also had UFC dreams of just competing on the big stage here where I reside, you know, because so many people that have invested in my career, like my fan, my original fans and my coaches and my training partners are all here. So I wanted to perform in front of them. Um, but, uh, one championship came by chance that they, they hit me up after, um, one of my fight, one of my world title, uh, bouts and, uh, And the rest was history. And I think that just like everything else in my life, it's really just been meant to be one championship has been kind of like a perfect fit for me.
0: When did you know that you wanted to fight and kind of make it like competitive, um, like a competition element for yourself? Because obviously there's people out there that go and, you know, do boxing or MMA, but they never want to compete. When did it kind of strike you for yourself where you were doing like your amateur fights and you were going? Do you know what I want to turn pro? This is kind of the dream for me. This this is what I want to I, do.
1: I think I knew right away because I think there's a lot of different situations and reasons why people are hesitant, um, and totally makes sense. But like people have families or other jobs, they have to you know weigh the options and see uh, if they're ready for this journey. Uh, which forewarning, right now, MMA is probably the toughest sport route you can go so make sure you really really do want it because it'll take everything out of you and your loved ones um but it was easy for me because i had nothing i was by myself getting out of a really abusive relationship and i turned to muay thai for self-defense and and you know just something uh for me to do you know to distract me from what was going on and um it just so happens, like the coach saw a lot of talent in me, and and at that moment, Misha and Rhonda were fighting in Strike Force, and Gina and Cyborg just fought. So people were starting to say, you know, women might make it in the sports. Uh, coaches were starting to vie for um a, a women, female athletes. So I took one fight, and and the rest was history. I was committed. It got me like a drug.
0: yeah that well it's it's the same for a lot of people um for me i went and did um i do jujitsu i'm not very good but the first sort of few sessions i went that was it the bug hit me i was like yeah i'm I'm, I'm rolling around on the mat with men it's it's difficult positions men and women but we're in funny positions and people are like why do you why do you want to do that and i'm just like come try it and you'll know you'll understand why and it is that that bug and that sort of Um, yeah competitive element which I think you only know it once you kind of do it I guess
1: yeah because it stimulates you in more ways than I mean it stimulates you in all ways it challenges you physically mentally you know emotionally because you got to put that shit in check you know Mm. (laughs) because if you're emotional you're gonna get your ass kicked and and mentally you just gotta show up every day and physically obviously for obvious reasons so it's like it's it's for people who want to challenge themselves, that's really the place to do it, the map.
0: How do you deal with um, like nerves? Because I assume you get nerves like most people before you go out and compete. How do you kind of channel that and manage to kind of keep composed when you walk down there? Because if it was me, I'd probably walk halfway and be like, I'm out of it. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, it's it's different in different different um i don't know uh parts of your career in the beginning the nerves are 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 different because it, it really depends on it depends on where you're emotionally invested just like anything else so if you're a fighter that's emotionally invested in your coaches and wanting to prove to to make them proud that's where your nerves are going you know like make sure i don't lose or do anything that embarrasses my coach um if your emotional uh, investment is in the fans, same. If your emotional investment is in your ego, you know, your record and, and getting a, a belt, it depends on where it is. But one way I deal with it, some people sleep it off. Some people, you know, zone out before fights. Me, I just keep it regular. I keep it like, my fight week is just like any other day. You know, it's just it's different tasks that I have to do, but I just hang out, I joke around. I. I don't eat, but I eat with my coaches and we kick it. And that way I can save all of my energy and my nerves for fight day because I channel those nerves into my fight. So I want to save it all up. I kind of cherish the nerves to be honest, because I think I had one uh, about, it was my last one for King of the Cage. It was for the title and it was to rematch a girl I'd already beat. I had a bad cut. I was tired. It was fight after fight, then I just filmed the show, and then my dad just passed. So I was exhausted and I wasn't nervous at all. I was walking out like a zombie, fought like a zombie, and then when I finished it, I knew there was something wrong because I was like, oh, thank God that fight's over. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't even sad, I lost, I was just tired. Um, Yeah, so I cherish the nerves, and I think people should. People should learn how to channel their nerves and should appreciate the nerves. Don't try to make the nerves go away, they're gonna be there. So you gotta, you know, make the
0: best of it yeah and i mean i think touching on that as well it kind of gives you that added element to be ready to compete because like i said when you don't have those nerves then you're kind of like in, in zombie mode and you're not kind of there to you, you turn up you you walk into the ring and you're kind of just switched off whereas if you've got those nerves it's kind of part of the fight process i guess to kind mm-hmm. of wake you up and be like okay it's game time now I, I, yeah, I'm I'm buzzing. I'm excited. My adrenaline's yeah. through the roof. I'm nervous, but let's yeah. get going.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just like everything in life. I think that the components in nature don't change. It's just how you manage them and how you deal with them. So,
0: what motivates you to keep competing? So, kind of uh, to be the best, or just because you love it, you know.
1: I think you have to learn to um look at yourself and to change because for me um what i mean by that is for me my my beginning reason of doing what i do was for me because i didn't have any i just got out of a uh, abusive relationship i was by myself and the first a couple of amateur fights was just like, ah, just unleashing my anger, you know? And then proving to the world and proving to myself that I was somebody. And then it slow, I started losing. I was on an incredible streak, amateur. I mean, I killed it, my amateur career. And then I was on a three and streak, my pro career. And then I lost two or three in a, in a row. And I realized it was because I was complacent with myself so that couldn't be my why anymore if i was to keep doing this sport um so i i i you know did a little soul searching and then one helped also to give me kind of helped me realize that like now what i'm doing it for so instead of doing it for me now i'm doing it for that girl whoever that may be you know what i mean now i i've really embraced the role of representation really really embrace that because i never really knew like when i was younger i was like it's me you know like who gives a shit what i'm doing and why i'm doing it for and like who really cares right um but now that i'm older i'm really embracing that responsibility so now i fight for um to to get to that stage right now i'm going for the gold i'm going for the belt in one but i'm not going for some stupid belt that i honestly i've lost half of my plaques cuz i don't really i'm not really attached to things you know so i don't really care about the belt but i really care about that representation and what it means to vietnamese girls what it means to girls period and then what it means to people that are imperfect and people that are trying to figure it out because my record is not the best. People remind me of it online all the time and I know. So if I could get to the belt, it means I didn't quit. It means that I'm just like everybody else. I didn't have like a perfect 10-0 and record and I'm not like... because people usually go, I can't be that person because they're a freak of nature, you know? There's really mm. no excuse to say that with me because <laughs> I've been through the ringer in my career, honestly. So yeah my motivation
0: changes yeah I mean that's also uh, an important factor that a lot of people can get disheartened about who are competing is those losses and I think it shows kind of great character to an extent to feel what a loss is like and then to try and overcome it and and to keep being persistent for that goal despite losing Because there's a lot of people out there that will lose or something and they're like yeah I'm never playing that again or I'm never doing that again yeah and yeah it, t- it takes a lot of character for someone to then go yeah. i'm going to keep going i'm going to keep being persistent because this is what i want to do or this is what i want to represent
1: yeah because I, I think that when you look at people like um he's a friend of mine i love him, john jones or um gsp or things like or anderson silva you start to look at something that you couldn't be so they're now they're pure entertainment right they're just entertainment but i think that i want to be more than entertainment i want to be somebody that, you know you can relate to like like i could be that person um not to be corny but i just i didn't have that you know when i was coming up so i hope now that the sport is even bigger there needs to be a wider array of representation of what could be great and who is great and what great looks like
0: hmm. do you find that- um, in your opinion you might be difficult to coach or are you quite easy to coach how does how does your coach oh, sort that's of an manage question.
1: you that's an interesting question and it depends on people a lot have, of coaches would find me um, difficult to coach depending on your style like uh, me and uh, the coach at CSA fell out and it's not because he's not a good coach we didn't match he is uh, he has a formula and he knows it works but i don't fit into any formula and i want to uh collaborate with my coaches and that's okay too um you know so i i like i've worked really hard and i'm a professional and i've learned a lot of things and i would like to think that those lessons count for something and i think that what would make a great um competitor and uh, is is getting the the Perspective from the outside, which is the coach and then getting the perspective from the inside Mm. Um, You know, and I think that would be the most effective way and the most enjoyable way for me to To compete and to go get through camp because damn people don't realize the fight is 15 minutes 25 if you're going for main event the camp is eight weeks if I can't get through camp with you I wouldn't even care if you were the best coach in the world To get me through the corner, you know, I need to get through that eight weeks with you and feel valued Mm -hmm. and feel like I enjoy the process. I think that's very important. So, a lot of people ask me questions all the time about what's the best gym? And I tell them all of them, even like CSA. I left CSA, but Kirin's amazing. You know, there's good coaches all over the world. It's what suits you and brings out the best in you. And not everybody can do that.
0: Yeah. In the sense of like, um, also for your personality in technique wise, like for me, if I'm competing or in anything. I don't like praise. So for me, it's like, yeah, well done. You've done five minutes. You know, we we need another round. Some people like that. Yeah. I like, yeah, you've done five rounds, but you can do better because right now you're you're 80 percent. Let's get that 100 percent. And I'm like, right, I'm going to prove you and I'm going to push even harder. What sort of style do you think you fit into? Is it more kind of you're doing really well, keep going? Or is it more of a come on, let's let's push. Like you're not doing the most you can do. Or is it dependent on the day?
1: Um, it depends on the person, for sure. But not just who you are, because you're not just the same person. I'm ever evolving. When I first started out, I started out with uh, Kuba Perez, amazing coach. He's the coach for Lauren Murphy and Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. Now, um, <clears throat> he was very like ramped up, like. Like he pumped me up. He reminded me of why I did things, why I was working so hard. He pushed me emotionally because I needed it then when I was younger. Now that I'm older, I just need technique. Mm. I'm super balanced in my emotion and I don't need anything to shift that in the fight. Um, So I just need technique, pure technique and that's it. I need to be reminded physically to breathe and then straight technique and that's it um also i like to have fun in the corner me and alex shield laugh in the corner all the time but i'm i'm really chilled now it's 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 fun for me so
0: i think that's what it's about as well still having that fun element and so it doesn't necessarily feel like work all the time because otherwise I mean who wants to work right <laughs> like we'd all be quite happy yeah. being on holiday all the time making money through <laughs> whatever cause just living life on holiday that'd be great but if you're turning up yeah. to train and it feels like work yeah. all the time you yeah that balance of like this could this needs to be fun and I need to have a laugh every now and then and then yeah then I know it's showtime it's showtime I need to now put my performances in or spar well because now yeah. it's game time
1: yeah, but, you know, it, it really depends. It's one of those things, like, when, when people are trying to give people at, at relationship advice, you know, you don't know unless you're them. And if you talk to the other person, it's going to be different than the other person, and it's different. So I just had a conversation with Ariel Hawani about the last guy who was uh, fought in the UFC. I didn't even see the fight, so I wanted Ariel and them to know, like, first of all, I didn't see the fight. I just want to offer a different perspective. We can't just attack the coach right away because we don't know um, what their dynamic is like. I only, because I see too often fans and um, journalists jump right on, you know, your emotion. I feel it, you care for the fighter. It's natural, but you got to think there's different scenarios. Like one of my um, teammates, um, I don't want to tell her business, so I don't want to say her name, but In our conditioning, so we're doing conditioning together and her, she's, she's not performing. She's like not even there. And the coaches have to push her, push her, push her. And she constantly out loud says, I can't, I can't, I can't. Until they push her and this monster comes out and this girl just destroys it and then here goes me i'm just pacing the entire time nobody's even paying attention to me <laughs> because i'm just this i'm just chill you know like i take away the emotion so there are different and she's a phenom she's undefeated she's a phenomenal uh, fighter so there are different different things and those are the same coaches and different fighters just need different things mm. you know now there are some fights where you know fighters are getting blasted that's different but yeah,
0: yeah.
1: it's it's different it's all it's not one size fits all. This is not that kind of sport.
0: Yeah. What do you do for fight preparation, like for yourself? So camp wise, um, strength and conditioning wise, and then kind of getting yourself ready to be at your maximum, like your best level for performance.
1: So basically what I do, obviously it's different opponents. And right now at this high level, it gets specific, you know? So, um, we first sit down and watch together. That's like our first private, is the coaches sit down and watch together. Then we uh, obviously respect each other's professions, like strength coach, the striking coach, and the jiu jitsu coach. You know, Hickman does everything, George Hickman does everything, but with strength conditioning, Woody's going to say this and this. And that's where I get my piece to collaborate. And I tell them what I think that I need, you know, for myself. And so every camp is different, but has the exact same foundation. Hmm. So every camp starts with a discussion, then we go and um, I plan out my schedule uh, in the beginning and I stick to it. I plan- we plan out our plan and we stick to it. So our foundation stays the same, it's just the variables change for uh, each prop- uh, opponent. So my schedule changes, my um, routine changes, it all changes.
0: But you still have that kind of core foundation of, of things in place, like when you said to get together at yeah. the beginning, and then maybe four weeks in, a little chat about what's, yeah. what you need to work on a little bit more or what you feel isn't working, and we've that, and that's mm-hmm. based on opponents and how you're feeling at the time, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that uh, I've always been kind of a nomad. I've, I've gone from gym to gym, you know, trying to feel out uh, personality and see if I click, and that's been my downfall because you can't have five heads for one fight. Mm. So now that I love Tiger Muay Thai because at that this place I have Shield, uh, Hickman and Woody come together as one head. And um, so it's very cohesive and it keeps me sane. I don't have mm. to manage so much, you know, so.
0: Yeah, cause I can imagine yeah. that can be quite stressful and then you're kind of not in that focused mindset because you're stressed about all these different heads that are going on, you know, five different people yeah. with different things, it all needs to kind of link into one system. And then from yeah. there, the ball can get rolling. And like anything, if you've got one thing and one system to follow, it's gonna right. be a lot easier than five or six yeah. different things, right?
1: Right. It's MMA. This is the most intricate sport, mm. I would say ever. And I've done a lot in different sports. Yeah, it's you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have it manageable. You know, so it's very cerebral. It's very mental.
0: And on the other side of that, what do you do to recover from a fight, you know, like mentally um, and as well as physically, like ice baths and things like that, nutrition side of things? Or do you just come out and you think, right, I'm free. I'm uh, going to go do what I want to do now to recover.
1: This is where I'm not much of a role model. I'm still struggling with the balance of it all because I'm so focused and I fight so much. I'm a very active fighter if you look at my career, super active. So I rarely get a break, and my breaks are usually a week. So I'm like all out drinking, eating, partying um, for that one week, you know, because I don't get much. I don't get, I have other responsibilities and other things going on in my life also. So I probably need to balance that a little more, uh, a little better. But I will say I do feel better. Um, in my later career where I let myself take a break and I wasn't burning myself out. Um, As far as physical, I'm very good at like using my resources and and outsourcing, you know. Mm. So I just go to uh, my um, doctors and I give them my body and what do you think I need to work on and is my body okay and do I get the green light and that's it. I try to simplify as much as I can.
0: Yeah, it kind of um, you kind of touched on my other point there as well. Is like, do you struggle to kind of relax because a lot of competitive people that I've spoke to, they're always one hundred miles per hour, and actually the challenge for them is when when they're told Sunday, you 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 do nothing on Sunday. You know, you you can stretch, but you do nothing, and they they all kind of struggle with that. And I wondered if it was the same for yourself as well.
1: It has been for sure, especially with you know tell you age makes a difference too when i was younger i would just i fought every two weeks people thought that was just thailand i did it in america i took amateur fights wherever anywhere tournaments i fought all the time and i didn't give myself a break and although my body was good my mental wasn't you know so it's like kind of that reflection you need that after a fight i would say take a reflection day of where's your body at where's your mind at what do you need all right i'm stressed i need a fucking drink hmm. or I'm sore I need to lay down and massage you know um, so you just gotta kind of listen to yourself when you're young you don't really you're only taught one way is to push hmm. so um, you, you need feel, to learn to push and
0: push it all cool right like, when you're young yeah no, well I'm, you
1: want to because yeah. you have so you have a chip on your shoulder you're like nah I got it like rest day what's rest day <laughs> hashtag beast mode hashtag going ham hashtag I gotta show everybody I can do this, um, but the more uh, the older you get, the more self aware you are. So it's it's really not that serious.
0: Have you ever <laughs> um, taken like do you ever take um, meditation like days or anything like that for yourself? Do you meditate or is it something I new, should? Just like, nah.
1: I, no, I should. I, I'm never to anything that's like new but um, I haven't had the guidance. So I should take up meditation. I should take up yoga. I'm a busy body. And th- the reason I run away from things like that is because like right now I'm struggling with the pandemic because I'm very bad when it comes, idle time is really dangerous for me because it's new and uncomfortable. Like when I don't have anything to do, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And then it starts going crazy in my head. So I probably do, I- You know, what? now that you've asked me that, I should look up meditation while I'm in the situation because I always run away from it. Whenever I'm not busy, I find something to do and I get myself busy. That's always been me. Um, But I should work on that.
0: Yeah, well, it's good for um, the best way I can describe it is like. Without all the noise and stuff, but it's like sitting by a main road and all these cars are going by, and all these cars are your thoughts, and you're aware of them for a second, and then they just go by, and you kind of just learn to just be peaceful in your own company and focus on your breathing, and it's quite relaxing. Do you know what I mean? Rather than that kind of, because I, I I'm the same, like 100 miles per hour with thoughts. I'm like, I need to do this. I need to. I got days off work, and I'm like. I'm going to go and do some work here instead or I'm going to go see these people, etc, etc. And um, I think because I always want to do something, when I meditate, I end up going through like a phase of being able to just relax and chill and feel like I don't need to be always achieving something or going out or whatever. It's just finding myself a little bit and analysing my own issues and my own personality problems and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that sounds really good. I need that, and I, I found it also when I was in Thailand because people would wake up at nine a.m. and I'm up at five a.m. You know, because I work here in America, I have a lot of projects going on, and um, and I realized in America we do a lot of this rat race thing, and it's not that healthy. No. You know, am I like I, I read this I read this book and it said move don't confuse movement with progress. You know, maybe I'm just moving. <laughs> So um, maybe that'll help me. I definitely need to look into
0: that. Yeah. I'll give you some some uh, quick tips when, when we finish anyways for two minutes that might help you out. Um, if, yeah, if send me
1: well. send, send me some things.
0: Um, how did it feel being on Survivor, like, for yourself? Was you like, oh, this Ugh. is mad? <laughs> yeah.
1: It was like, okay, so people need to understand that, like, this is, I think Survivor fans know this because they followed me and I've been authentic. Um, but um, I was trying to get away. I didn't know what the show was. I was recruited and my dad just passed. So I got the phone call that my dad died. The other line was Survivor telling me I was gonna be, I, I, that they like it's done, like I'm going on this biggest reality show in the world. So I said yes, because I was trying to get away. Although I don't, I, I'm never regretting it because I learned so much, but I'm just giving you perspective as when they dumped us there and I can't really divulge the details, but the process of a real reality show. Cause some, there's some fake ones also that I've, I've done that, you know, they do a lot of crap, but Survivor is real. So there's a lot of like things that have to go into it to keep to secrecy and to keep the authenticity, and it was just like, what in the world is happening? I don't know where I'm at. But um, I quickly adapted, and and it was, good. Mm. it was good.
0: Yeah, I mean that must be kind of very difficult for yourself because obviously you've had, you had that call about your dad, and then you're kind of you know where then where you yeah. are, and you haven't even had time to maybe process you know process shit really, and you're like, yeah. oh, I've got to now adapt and deal with this.
1: That's the thing like people like people that know me know about me. I, I, I'm really bad when it comes to toxic toughness. It's really bad because one, I'm Asian and two, I've just been through so much is how I I've, I've built myself to be. But I got the call that my dad died, went outside, bawled my eyes out, loud, ugly cry for five, two minutes, one minute, two minutes, came back in coach knows me so well. And he was like, what's up? And like, my dad died. He was like, okay, he gave a pause and he was like, do you want to continue? Or what do you want to do? I said, no, let's keep training. I finished training. Um, and this is after the survivor call too. So I think that was my problem that I'm still learning now to, to unpack and process, you know, mm. I've, I've been, I've been too tough, um, for my own good.
0: Yeah. What's your proudest achievement so far for yourself in, in anything, you know, I- not just in MMA and one championship and so on? What's been like, you can give me two, you know, one in life and one in competing.
1: I think my proudest moment um, in life, and I mean, everything is intertwined, you know, because everything I have is a cumulative of everything I've done, fighting and all. Um, but one of my proudest moments was I was uh, invited to speak in front of a women's conference in Asia, a specific Asian women's conference. And I spoke about my uh, domestic abuse openly. Um, in detail and um, I spoke on the power of storytelling and I did it for the first time with my mom in the front row. So my mom had never heard about my abuse, never heard about what happened. And the reason I did that was if I was going to be telling people how strong it is and how I know how difficult it is to tell my story, I need to do it to the one person I've been avoiding. So that whole event was very moving for me. One, it ignited my passion in public speaking and realized like how powerful I am. Two, I finally told the story to my mom and then in front of the thing. And then after the speech, I had numerous numbers of girls coming up to me, telling me about things that's happened to them they can't talk about now. I continue to talk to them and they tell me that they've, you know, just all of it, was giving me power all of it was that was one of my biggest accomplishments I did for AAPI uh, women's movement and um, I think my biggest achievement fighting wise was my very first amateur fight no you um yeah you know what it was the very first fight because I got this i got this um offer i was ill prepared for it i didn't know it got awful it's online you guys you want to look it up on youtube it's disgusting fight because i didn't know how to throw a real punch it was like my technique was like oh i watched it i'm like it's so bad but one of the reasons i'm proud of it because one i took it against a girl who had six fights and i retired her that's how tough i was and um another is um the promoter and the coach i had at the time told me i got the fight because i was pretty and i i was pissed the hell off so i had a chip on my shoulder to show that i was more than that and i think i did and then i i went on to being their champion for that promotion and headlining a couple times so that's one of my um proud of, proudest moments also mm. yeah
0: when you did your speech and you finally kind of spoke about it with your mum there how did that feel yeah. did that feel like a what kind of a relief off your sh- like a relief you know that weight off your shoulders you're like finally yeah everyone knows and then yeah. you've got people coming and speaking to you and you're like and I can help these people because yeah. I- I've been through it and I'm kind of I'm showing yeah. you know that things can change yeah.
1: yeah um for sure I think uh I think that's one of the it was really really validating for me because I always have, I have this serious case of imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. I don't know if people get it too. And I'm sure other people get it, but I get in positions in my life. Um, I'm blessed to where people will think highly of me or I'll be put in positions where I'm like, do people really care what I have to say? Like, like who the hell am I sitting here doing this? you know what I mean? Like what the hell I'm sitting here in front of a bunch of people like, cause I don't see myself that way um so it was really powerful for me to validate myself in order to for to myself not through others but to myself in order to further help people and um it's helping me um kind of do better in that sense i'm doing a lot more work now after that that event the work that i've been doing in, in 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 for women has been way more efficient because now i don't have all that shit i'm holding myself back you know what i mean and um and I think that it's uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was hard too. It, it, the 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 imposter syndrome is still healthy though, because it keeps me authentic. If you look at, you know, like my social media or anything, I'm always trying to keep it real, just because I'm trying to like make sure, you know, that I yeah. am who I say I am.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, you get a lot of um, false personalities on on social media, and sometimes there's people portraying their... They're an absolute badass and a bit of a twat when they're not in real life. And you have, <laughs> I mean, um, Chow, uh Chow Sonnen, Sun and like, I spoke to a guy that um, is really good friends with him. And obviously, in his career, he's been known as like the bad mm-hmm. guy, you know. And he's always yeah portraying as a bit of a dick, but outside yeah. of all of that, he's, he's really cool. Yeah, then one of the nicest guys. And you're kind of like, why are you portraying yourself like this on social media, man? Like, you know, it's it's a product. Just but you know, it. he's
1: in control. He's in control of that narrative. I think
0: hmm.
1: there are some that aren't.
0: Yeah, that's you true. You know,
1: like like Kobe is not in control, obviously. Yeah. And then even some people who try, and then they're like, "What?" But I uh, uh, I think it really depends on on who you are and what keeps you grounded. For hmm. me, I don't think I don't know if I'll be grounded if I pretended to be somebody else for a year. You know, I don't really trust myself like that. I haven't practiced that. I've always yeah. been real, so I'm just gonna stick to what I know. You know. I think if people asked me to be somebody else for a year just to sell tickets, which I know one would never ask me to do, I'd be like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know." Yeah, That's I'm why, not... honestly, I didn't sign with I didn't sign with Ryzen when they offered. Um, their culture is different, and they want you to embellish, and I don't, I don't know how to do that. Yeah,
0: it's not for you, basically, and and it's it'd not for weird, me, right? It would
1: be weird. Yeah, it'd be like I would have to walk out with a big b suit and like
0: you know, I don't know how to do all that. Fuck that. <laughs> 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 I mean. Yeah. Um, so who are your, who are your um, like idols and um, kind of when you were starting, who did you aspire to be or who kind of, who did you look up to, to an extent?
1: I, uh, I, in the beginning, i oh, me still. Uh, And luckily, I've met these women and I've become family to one. But I look up to Gina Carano because she's authentic and she is transparent. When after the cyborg thing, she was really honest about how she felt and, and, you know, and she was confident that nobody or nor did she care that anybody was going to judge her for feeling like shit after her loss, you know. Um, Gina's the bomb and I love her and I know her and she's great. And then, of course, one of my biggest, biggest mentors and one of my best friends is Michelle Watterson, because when I met her, she's really taught. I was, like I said, toxically tough. I was always like, all good, nothing bugs me, you know, whatever. LOL, made jokes about myself and stuff. And then Michelle was Michelle has really shown me how to be vulnerable and soft and kind, um, without, you know, having to perpetuate this. Toughness all the time, hmm. and she's taught me a lot more. But yeah, Michelle Watterson's really she's a lot more than people know, even though I know a lot of people love her. But she's even more than that, so yeah, Gina Carano and Michelle Watterson definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed uh chatting to Michelle, and I had a husband on at the same time, and we had a few yeah, lives.
1: Josh is dope, yeah.
0: he's so he's so cool, man. I, I messaged him on Instagram. um a fair few times when he, yeah when he had his um he had his hair when he his daughter i think it i can't remember her name it's like aria, or aria I can't oh, Araya. He like shaving her head uh, shaving his head and i was like yeah. i messaged him i was like you still look good mate don't worry about it
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
1: that's cute they're cute yeah. i love
0: that family i lived um, with them for a while so did you how was that like yeah. obviously a nice experience I, I can imagine but did you pick up i mean
1: we're just like we're just like family <laughs> yeah.
0: no, that's good yeah I, yeah I think that's cool that you can kind of have that um experience you know what i mean like to feel like a member of the family because there's a lot of people out there that would invite you in or, or you'd live with them and they kind of just still treat you like you're kind of on the outside a little bit
1: yeah because there's some people that um help you to be the person that helped you and mm. then some people help you for you to be better so Um, there's a lot of people
0: like that in mma so my last question for you is um sort of your future plans and the current goals you've set
1: yeah so um i'm trying to stay on them you know this damn pandemic but my goal is to i've already made the uh, adjustments to move to asia um my goal is to not just ignite the interest of MMA like we did in that event and uh, in Vietnam, but I wanna be a part of the growth there. So I want to um, go there and start assisting and helping and doing whatever I can as a representative or a teacher to um, spread uh, the sport of MMA in in Vietnam. And then for me personally, um, this year I think I've always I've always dealt with losses, ups and downs gracefully, but I know what I can do. Um, I know how good I really am. So I'm going to chase for the belt because I think I know I'm that good. I just need to put the work in to make sure everything comes together mm-hmm. to where I can show that. So yeah, my, my short-term goals, not even long-term because it's not too far away, is the belt on championship at a weight belt and to be a process, uh, 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 a part of MMA growth in Vietnam. Good goals. Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It really has. Um, Thank basically, you. Basically the floor is yours for the next two minutes to advertise yourself, shout out anyone you want and say where anyone can find you or contact you um, to chat with you basically, if you want, if you don't want it, that's cool.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so uh, during this pandemic, I've gotten, I mean, even beyond, uh, before I've gotten a lot of requests, uh, to, for me to help them with technique, um, I guess the way I teach resonates with people. And so I didn't know that the demand was so high thousands and hundreds and thousands of you guys have reached out to me. So I am in the process of starting killer Bee Academy it is trademarked is in the process um i'm recording many 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 videos for you guys so these are for people who are too busy to actively go into the gym or for people who live in rural areas that don't have gyms for people who live in countries that don't have opportunities uh, and and chances and money to go train with um great coaches this is what killer b academy will be for you and um Yeah, I just encourage everybody to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and if you do, I encourage you to get to know me and and follow everything and not just the aesthetics, you know? Yeah, Um, exactly. But yeah, and and so for those who don't know, One Championship is uh, on their app worldwide, so you can see my fights and you don't have to wait for YouTube. A lot of my fans um all over the world are like where do we see your fights i'm like they're on they're live and uh you can catch them on the app so just download the app and follow me and there's articles and one keeps up a bunch of stuff so yeah follow along
0: um cool well thank you for your time i'll chat with you for two minutes off of this thank you um but yeah thank you for coming on i really appreciate that yeah cool and that is uh pretty much done.